This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. I hope you enjoyed the holidays, and thanks for joining us today on our latest podcast. On this program, the focus is the RFP that Hines and the Rays presented January 4th to St. Petersburg Mayor Ken Welch on the redevelopment of the historic gas plant district, which of course includes updated stadium plans. On this podcast, you're going to hear from one of the Rays presidents, Brian Ald, as well as Chief Development Officer Melanie Lenz. Michael Harrison, Senior Managing Director of Development for Heinz, will give us an overview of the project. From an architectural standpoint, we'll chat with Don Gunter, Managing Director and Principal of Gensler, as well as Everald Kolos, Founder and Principal of the Storen Studio for Architecture. Andrick Fraser, President and CEO of Best Source Consulting, to touch on the history of the gas plant district, plus Gwendolyn Reese, President of the African American Heritage Association of St. Petersburg, Florida, Incorporated, on how this proposal would be impactful. Let's begin with Rays President Brian Ald, who's about to begin his 18th season with the organization. We first discussed an overview of efforts to build a new ballpark. It goes back over to the day that I started. Uh, I remember at Stu's um, introductory press conference, he mentioned that we were going to need a replacement for Tropicana Field and that it couldn't last until 2027. And now apparently he was incorrect about that. We're going to be here through 2027, but we've never stopped focusing on trying to get that new ballpark built. It is key to securing the future of the Rays in Tampa Bay for generations to come, as we like to say. And so we continue to go at it. And uh, while it's not easy, um, it's important work. And so we're proud to do it. This has obviously been a long time coming because of all the time spent on it. So what's the timeline and now the urgency to finalize things now? Well, there's going to be an opening day to the MLB season in 2028. And as of right now, we don't have a place to play that ball game. And it takes a while to build a stadium. So that's about as uh, stark and urgent situation as you can imagine. It is one that uh, keeps us up at night, and it's why we're working so hard to find a solution um, right, right now. As we look at what you're working on, at least on the St. Pete side at this point, what sets that project apart maybe from typical ballparks? The historic gas plant district where Tropicana Field is located is a nearly 100-acre piece of a contiguous land in an, in an urban setting. It's uh, it's totally unique. Um, and so we have the opportunity not just to build our ballpark, but to create a surrounding village, um, a community that can honor the history of the gas plant district, that can provide the city with much-needed office space and, and more hotel rooms and, and, an, and an entertainment venue and, and do so much along the way. Um, we're thrilled about the chance to not only secure the future of the raise, but to meet Mayor Welch's uh, 23 points from the RFP and, and provide all the intentional equity that that, that entails. The RFP itself is an important step in the process as the club is, you know, getting ready to celebrate 25 years. But why is a new stadium so critically important in your mind to the community beyond the baseball aspect of, of things? A city like St. Petersburg needs a world-class venue. Um, we've 
seen that um, not just as we've hosted playoff games here uh, over the years, but also in particular around COVID and, and hurricane readiness and emergency management situations. Um, we're the only place that can hold large school, large high school graduations and college graduations. And so we've got to have a venue like this in St. Petersburg. It makes all the sense in the world um, to make sure we keep the Major League Baseball team there to, to occupy it the 81 days a year that we play Major League Baseball games plus the playoffs. Um, and it's also going to allow us to recruit world-class events, whether they be concerts or festivals or uh, other sporting events. Um, it's really an exciting thing a necessary one for St. Pete and we've approached this RFP intent on giving the mayor something that's going to allow the city to move forward um, in lockstep with the race. One thing that's crucial to recognize about what this development means for the Rays relative to everyone else is that we are the only business that will be locked into this location for the next 30 plus years. So we have every incentive to make sure it's a successful development. And I guess that speaks to the race commitments of the Tampa Bay area. Yeah, we, we've always wanted to be in Tampa Bay. That's always been the goal from day one, um, whether it be building a ballpark at Al Lang or in Ybor City or our attempt to explore the sister city concept with Montreal. It was making sure that the Tampa Bay Rays were here for our fan base. Um, that continues to be the, the overarching goal, and we continue to work as hard as we can to solidify that future. So obviously the RFP was one step. What's next? And our conversation still going on on the other side of the bay with Tampa. Uh, RFP is sort of the first step on the St. Pete side of things. Um, we'll need a county commission vote. We'll need a city council vote. We'll need to reach a development agreement. And, of course, we'll need the mayor to select our, our RFP proposal in order to move forward on all of this. So there's a lot of steps, a lot of things that, uh, that need to be checked off along the way. Um, and a lot of places that things could go awry, and that's why we – um, it would be irresponsible of us to not have uh, Tampa in the mix right now, too. Um, for us to be ready in 2028 on either side of the bay, we've got to be making progress right now, and we've got to keep all of our options open. And so we've got great partners on both sides of the bay. They're being respectful of one another. They understand that we um, need to be in these negotiations simultaneously. Uh, and our goal has, and, and again, as, as we said earlier, remains to just be sure this team stays in Tampa Bay for generations. That's Rays President Brian Ald, who mentioned the relationship with Heinz. Now, their senior managing director of development is Michael Harrison, and I asked Michael to explain his organization's enthusiasm for this unique project. We're excited to work on this project for a couple of reasons. One is that we've had a 15-year relationship with the Rays organization and partnered with them uh, in pursuit of the original RFP that came out by the city back in uh, 06 and 07. So uh, that, that's one reason. The second is that um, this is a unique opportunity, you know, the ability to work on a multi-billion dollar city-defining project uh, comes around uh, you know, very, very seldom. And so the opportunity for Heinz to bring to bear its experience doing similar projects around the U.S. and across the globe uh, to St. Pete is a, is a remarkable opportunity. So explain to our fans why the idea of a mixed-use redevelopment is important. Yeah, I think the, the reason why we get excited about doing a mixed-use redevelopment is that uh, we really look for opportunities for placemaking, where people can 
uh, live. They can work there. They can come there for entertainment. Um, and, and it's really the ability to, you know, walk to work. And it's the ability to walk from home to a game and then be able to dine and, and play in the same neighborhood. So it's really kind of a, a throwback to earlier times when uh, mixed-use neighborhoods really were the norm, and that's exactly what existed on this site. Tell us about kind of your expertise in developing a project like this and maybe how unique it is. Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. You know, Heinz is a... A 65-year-old privately held company, and we're approximately 5,000 employees in 28 countries. And so, we've really had the good fortune of working on city-defining projects across America, in Europe, Asia, and so we really do have uh, the ability to execute on multi-million square foot, multi-billion-dollar projects. Um, and have done it regularly. And so I think we have the opportunity to bring all of that past experience to bear on this opportunity in the city of St. Petersburg. And as the lead developer, how do you work with the local partners and how will you work with them? Well, I think that one of the things that is unique about Heinz is that, you know, notwithstanding the fact that we're a large developer, we understand that when we go into a new community, uh, we can't be successful without having local participation. And in this case, it's very clear from the mayor's uh, comments in the request for proposals that uh, the inclusion of, of black-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, both in terms of the construction of the project, but as importantly during the development of the project, is a critical requirement. And I think not only is it a critical requirement, but we need that. We don't know what St. Pete should be and needs to be, but we bring the execution talent, we combine that with local talent, and we think it makes for a better overall product. You touched before on the fact that the relationship with the Rays runs more than a decade and a half. Can you touch on how that that helps in this regard to a project of this magnitude? That's a, that's a great question, and, and what's critical about the existing relationship between the Rays and Heinz is that the Rays are on a tight schedule. They have to be in a new ballpark for spring uh, grand, or opening day in 2028, and so their, their schedule for the ballpark construction and its coordination with the development of phase one around it has to be fully coordinated, and that 15-year working relationship we have with the Rays will be critical to meeting the deadlines they have and that the city will have. And from that knowledge and that tight timeline, how, with your experience, can you kind of assist in making sure that those deadlines are met? Well, I think, again, it goes back to expertise and experience. We've developed several professional and collegiate sports facilities in the U.S., and we've also done, you know, significant uh, mixed-use projects uh, across the country. And so just knowing the, the challenges associated with accessing labor for large-scale projects like this and being able to plan a schedule that takes into account the fact that we do have hurricanes in Florida, those are things we've done for decades. And so we have the ability to coordinate two very complicated projects, a new ballpark that'll be a billion dollar project, and then phase one of our development, which will be about the same value all at the same time. And we have the resources to marshal on that project to make sure it happens. That's Michael Harrison of Heinz, the lead developer in this proposal. Now, it was mentioned that this really could have a tremendous community impact. I spoke with Endrick Frazier, whose company Best Source Consulting is specifically focused on consulting services in the areas of environmental, social, and governance.
Well, I think it's extremely exciting. Uh, it's a transformational project. You know, the ability to redevelop an urban core uh, to the tune of 90 acres doesn't exist very often uh, in the United States. Um, and I know everyone's excited about a new ballpark. I'm more excited about um, the new amenities, the housing, the mixed-use development, and what the Rays and Highs are coming together to do as it relates to intentional equity. So give us a feel for what the intentional equity piece of this means then. Um, well, if you understand the history of the site, um, this was historically um, a site that was occupied by African-Americans um, in the late 1800s up to the early 1900s. Uh, they were displaced uh, when the city of St. Pete decided that they wanted to pursue having baseball. Um, the current mayor, uh, Mayor Welch, uh, his family used to live here in what they call the historic gas plant district. And he has been uh, pretty adamant about um, making sure that those descendants, their legacy, their history was not forgotten and that the African-American community, especially here in St. Pete, have an opportunity to be involved financially with this project. So um, the highs and Rays have committed $50 million towards equity. Um, this is going to cover everything from um, housing opportunities to workforce development to um, enhancement of infrastructure relates to education, African-American museum. And, and most importantly, um, one of the things I'm excited about is a supplier diversity charge, um, which they are committed to spending $500 million with diverse businesses right here from the Tampa area. That's Andrick Frazier of Best Source Consulting, Gwendolyn Reese, president of the African American Heritage Association of St. Petersburg, Florida Incorporated, also has a tremendous understanding of the community impact of this RFP and the history of this area, including the gas plant district. It was vibrant. It was um, a safety net, a sanctuary away from the Jim Crow segregation that existed in all the other parts of the city. Um, other places we went, there was white and colored water fountain, white and colored only, colored at the back of the bus, all of these things that affected um, our, our level of self-respect. They were humiliating. But when we came home to the gas plant area, there was none of that. We had businesses and dentists and doctor's office and theaters and entertainment and food and neighbors. And there was such a degree of pride and self-respect in our community, but it was also a place of safety because the outside world wasn't always safe for us. So that all said, how has, let's say, the displacement of those families affected those who live there? The, the displacement affected different people differently. Um, there's one young man that we interviewed for the documentary and his story still brings tears to my eyes because he talked about the family, he was the youngest of 11 children, moving to another home, but they were unable to maintain that home. And he has memories of being homeless and sleeping in a car. Some people prospered because they received sufficient amounts of money to, um, I think of, of Mr. Mordecai Walker, he was a, a realtor and, uh, and he knew how to negotiate. And so he received enough monies to purchase a home in Old Southeast. I think of uh, First Baptist Church, and once again, Mr. Walker was the deacon and financial person there, and they received enough money to buy three lots and build a new church. But many others did not prosper. But more than being able to 
uh, build a new home or create a new home. What we really lost was the unity, the community, the togetherness. We lost that. We lost having positive role models live right next door to us. Because, you know, we modeled mixed-income neighborhoods. So you had... Um, the elite living next door to others. You had two-story mansions next door to an apartment building. So Dr. Ponder, the first black doctor in St. Pete, lived to the right of me. Dr. Uh, Benjamin Jones, a dentist, lived to the left of me. Um, Mr. Andrew Polk, who was a principal, lived across the street from me. So you had all of these positive role models. And I'll never forget my librarian from my elementary middle school did not drive. She walked to school, and she walked by my home, which was 1305 Fifth Avenue South. And many times I ended up walking to school with her. So we had these role models who encouraged us and inspired us. We lost that. So knowing all of that history, what excites you then about this project? Uh, so many things. First of all, the opportunity, if it's done right, and I think our team will do it right, we will um, address the broken promises. And the broken promises are about housing and employment. And the other thing that excites me so, because I'm a, a storytelling historian, is that we will not forget the history. We will tell that story. It will be included in the, in the development throughout, not just in one little place, but throughout. We will find a way to honor some of those people from back in the day, to tell the stories of people, to honor the businesses that were there. That excites me because history is so important. It's not something that should be relegated to the past and say that was then. No, history impacts what we do today, and it impacts our future as well. And with all of that context, how do you feel that the redevelopment of this site and will mean, what will it mean for the descendants in the community as a whole? You know, we held a dinner for uh, some of the descendants and, and business owners and former residents um, in November. And what stands out to me most is Candy McDonald's uh, statement, don't forget us. Don't forget our stories. Don't forget our lives. And I think aside from seeing what was a vibrant neighborhood become vibrant once again, um, I think what excites a lot of people is knowing that our stories will be told. They will be kept alive and they will be a part of whatever is developed here. That's Gwendolyn Reese, president of the African American Heritage Association of St. Petersburg, Florida, Incorporated. There are a lot of unique features included in this project. I first asked Don Gunter, managing director and principal of Gensler, about what in this RFP excites her. The thing that excites me most about this project is how unique this is going to be as a ball field that isn't all, only our home for the Rays, which we absolutely love, but it's going to be a venue that is not only beautiful, but we're going to come to throughout the year for different, you know, celebrations and experiences, and the idea that the concourse, which, you know, we all love that game day experience, is going to be an experience that we can have really around, you know, throughout the day and throughout the year. You have a, a concept of a, like a 20-minute neighborhood. Describe what that is and what it means to this project. 
So the 20-minute neighborhood is really pretty simple. It's the idea that within 20 minutes, you can walk to everything that you need throughout your day. And when we think of the fact that we're all limited to 24 hours, right, if we can make the most impact within that 24 hours, that elevates everything about what we do, elevates the time that we spend with our friends, our family, uh, our career, giving back to the community because it's all within walkable distance. And so it's a very technically based concept, but the impact on people's everyday, everyday lives is truly transformational. So you've worked on a lot of projects. Um, what makes this specific one unique, and how does it compare to some of the others you've worked on? What makes this unique is it's an interesting com combination of this incredibly rich history that we've all learned You know, going through putting this design together combined with an incredible challenge to make this a community which really doesn't exist right now, right? Um, I don't know of a community founded on such a beautiful, rich, you know, black community that was completely self-sustaining and had an incredible pride. And to take that history and create this new community that is completely self-sustaining with art, with culture, with the ball field, with work, with an innovation center, with education, with daycare, uh, with, you know, affordable housing, um, it truly is something that we don't believe exists and that we're going to set uh, really a new national and even a global standard for this level of economic and really, you know, cultural impact. Similarly, I chatted with Everald Kolos, founder and principal of the Storen Studio for Architecture. As architects, our work is mainly focused around mixed-use developments. Um, we found an expertise specifically in hospitality, uh, meaning hotel and restaurant. Uh, we do do a lot of built-to-suit office fit-outs and have done multifamily housing and prefabricated housing, which um, as, as sort of a uh, a list of expertise falls well into this project that we would be engaging in. So tell us what excites you most about this particular RFP project. What excites me most is um, basically what the city, um, specifically the mayor, has, has placed in terms of the principles, the 23 principles of the project, which for us um, as architects, we believe that design is a tool for social change. And the principles of this sort of intentional equity for this development um, has really charged us to put in all of our skills in terms of research, uh, listening um, to the table in order to sort of serve um, as, as responsible designers for what is essentially um, a neighborhood that we're designing that will include environmental stewardship, um, development, once again, focused on equity um, and activating open space that can um, serve all in the city of St. Petersburg. And what particularly will your group be focusing on? Specifically, since we are here, our office is in the Edge District, and I personally have had the benefit of serving the city of St. Pete um, almost seven years now um, as, as an architect. I think, number one, practically the film sort of our familiarity with the city staff and moving entitlements along, getting building permitting um, uh, will lean strongly on us um, since we've had that relationship and the project is literally in our backyard since our office is in the Edge District. Uh, that'd be number one. Number two, um, I, I, some of the cultural aspects that we are proposing here um, with the African American Heritage Trail uh, being a way that the gas plant residents can be remembered. Our, our office will will be boots on the ground listening to former residents 
and doing what we do best, which is translating thoughts and ideas to uh, spatial activation. And tell me what makes this project unique compared to, let's say, others that you and, and your organization have worked on in the past. I think it's unique, um, one, where where it's uh, geographically in our city. It's really in the heart of our city where we have several neighborhoods around us that are defined and have an identity from the Deuces to the Warehouse Arts District to the Edge District north of us to Southside St. Pete and Campbell Park um, just south of us and, and, and downtown, of course. Um, I, think, I think where it's centered as a core is unique and the amazing position of Brooker Creek, the 1.9 mile connector from uh, the Northwest of Edge District connecting all the way down to Bay Borough makes it unique geographically. Uh, secondly, I would say the scale and phasing of this project is quite unique. Um, we will be designing a neighborhood uh, simultaneously there will be a, a ballpark that's in full activation while we're building another one. So that's quite unique to the scale of work we've done. Um, of course, we phased before, but phasing at this scale and phasing intentionally and listening to community and keeping them up to date with sort of uh, all of our all of our moves moving forward is going to be quite unique for this project. And I think something that really excites us is the challenge that we look forward to being part of. That's Avril Kolos of the Store and Studio for Architecture. They provided some big picture thoughts on the architecture. Melanie Lenz of The Rays has been working on ballpark design throughout her time with the organization. And I asked what are some of the features that fans would enjoy? Sure. Thanks, Neil. So we've been really calling this ballpark a pavilion. And that means, you know, a pavilion is the center or heart of a community. The idea is that this building truly opens up to all of this great development that's going to be happening on its edges. Um, it will have operable walls, so you can open up the building on beautiful days and really, uh, either on game days or non-game days, be able to travel back and forth from the inside to the out. But it'll also have a fixed roof with some great natural lighting elements that will allow our great beautiful natural environment in while keeping our fans comfortable and really that's at the end you know at the end of the day fan comfort and game certainty are two key driving elements other than that you know we will have it will be intimate we'll have all sorts of different seating and gathering sections and it'll just be something like fans haven't seen yet in baseball so how will that compare then to ballparks across the country? How unique will it be? I mean, I think it'll be one of its kind. When you look at just the design itself, you know, it's not a dome. It's not something that has this giant retractable roof that slides over or back or opens up. It should feel like a building in a community. And, you know, it's, it's really like no other baseball park design that has ever been put forward. So what are some of the key requirements that you all had to consider for a ballpark specifically in Florida? So specifically in Florida, really, it comes back to game certainty and fan comfort. But it's also making sure that we're providing a place where a community can gather on non-game days. And so making sure that we have flexible amenities throughout the ballpark that can serve as different uses on different days. So if we're you know, beating the Yankees on a series you know, as we're away in New York, we can open up the ballpark and we can have yoga in the outfield. We can have community events in all of our suites and other spaces. We can just have people come 
come around and walk around the ballpark as it's truly a part of a, it's a public amenity and a part of this great new development we plan on creating. So give us an idea what a state-of-the-art ballpark will mean in your mind to the players. Sure. So I think First and foremost, it should mean that it will be a great place to play baseball. No obstructions from catwalks or other types of things hanging from the ceiling. You don't have to worry about, uh-oh, did I hit something and is it a ground rule double or should I, am I out? Should I keep running to second base? Um, we'll also be really focusing on player development and sports medicine and everything that goes into the training and sports science side of our business. We're really looking to create um, within the ballpark itself um, an innovation zone and an innovation district for sports science and sports medicine. So when you think about what we do, I mean, it, our, our one of our biggest goals is kind of injury pre prevention, right? Training and injury prevention. And if we can have state-of-the-art technology on site to be doing that, we're only putting ourselves in a better position. And then obviously for the fans, what will a new ballpark experience mean to them? Hopefully it means that, one, they, they are thrilled that baseball is staying in Tampa Bay for generations to come. Second of all, we hope that it means that um, you know, they are part of something that is bigger than just baseball. So they're going to be there watching the Rays play championship baseball in the coolest new venue in sports, but they're also going to experience this dynamic new community that is an intentionally built, equitable place for that everyone feels welcome and, and, and can come to. Thanks to Melanie Lenz for joining us and all of the other guests who joined us as well. Ray's president, Brian Ald, Michael Harrison of Heinz, Andrick Frazier of Best Source Consulting, Gwendolyn Reese of the African-American Heritage Association of St. Petersburg, Florida, Incorporated, Don Gunter of Gensler, and Everald Kolas of the Store and Studio for Architecture. St. Petersburg Mayor Ken Welch is expected to choose one of the four proposals sometime in January. When a decision is made, we'll have another podcast related to that news and what the next steps could be. Thanks so much for being with us. We will chat with you soon.